Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm your host, Pastor Zach McGowan, and today I am pleased to be joined by Ed Diaz, a Bible teacher, preacher, and evangelist with more than 40 years of experience leading people to Christ as we discuss our messages on sanctification. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to Armchair Preaching. Uh, I'm I'm back. I've been off for a week, and uh, Pastor John and uh, Rebecca and Brian Morgan were supposed to sit down and talk last week, but didn't couldn't get their schedules worked out. But I'm glad to welcome a special guest. We don't get a lot of special guests here, but this is one of the most special of special guests. Uh, Ed Diaz is here with us. Hey, Ed, how are you doing? Hey, Zach. Honored to be here. Man, I'm so glad that we could uh, make this work. Um, Ed, you and I have known each other for a few years. You've been in the the sphere of FPC Lakeland for a long time. Yes, we actually, uh, I think the first time I taught anything here was back in uh, 1981. So that's a so, long time. So Forty-one almost, years so older than you are. Almost as old as I am. Not not quite, but but almost. So Ed, um, for people that are listening to the podcast that are local to the Lakeland community, most folks probably are aware of who you are because you've been in the Lakeland community a long time. But would you just give us a sense of your background? Um, you know, just where you're from. How you know? At what point did you feel called ministry? Those sorts of things. Uh, so folks that don't know who you are that aren't aren't from the Lakeland community might get a sense of, of who you are and what, what, what God's call has been on your life. You bet. I grew up in the northern part of Pennsylvania in the coal country. That's how I started my sermon That's Sunday. right. Yeah, I like that. I like that. <laughs> uh, both my grandfathers worked in the mines for a while. Uh, my maternal grandfather was from Scotland, uh, so we grew up as uh, Presbyterians in that world and uh, lived in the same house with my grandparents, my mom, my dad. My two sisters, uh, my, my uncle and I lived in the basement, uh, really didn't have a personal relationship with God through those years. I went through the confirmation process at the church. Yeah. Uh, my dad came out of a Catholic world uh, with a Spanish surname. Uh, he didn't practice that much. Uh, so when I went off to college, I, uh, I didn't have any kind of depth spiritually, and I tended to walk away from all those things. But mm-hmm. uh, during those years, I came to faith in Christ, uh, partly through uh, Tim Tebow's dad, uh, there were a bunch of guys at the University of Florida that oh, helped wow. lead me to Christ through uh, the very thing that I used to end up my message, that they rubbed shoulders with me and let me ask questions that I had and wow. put up with me over months. And uh, at that point, I said, God, I want I want what they have. Mm. So I went back to University of Pennsylvania. I uh, went back there the next semester, actually met Gwen, who became my wife. Yeah. Uh, that was a big influence because I had the choice to transfer to Florida or to go back and be with this beautiful young woman I was dating. It wasn't a hard choice. Uh, Got married our senior year of college, but Gwen had really wrestled with spiritual issues, grown up in the church, knew all about the scriptures. Her dad, unfortunately, got dementia when she was in the middle school years and was uh, was institutionalized during our college experience. I never actually got to meet him. But along the way, I had uh, listened to people teach the Bible, and I asked her my uh, last year of college if she would mind if I went to seminary for one year. One year. I didn't feel like I needed to be in ministry. In fact, that was kind of a premarital agreement. You know, I'll (laughs) I'll marry you, but you need to promise that you won't go into ministry. Her dad had been a pastor. Oh, wow. And it's the hardest job there is. I really appreciate you and the pastors on the staff uh, putting up with the trauma that involves being a pastor. But... uh, 
they had really suffered as a result of that wow. economically in all sorts of ways. Mm-hmm. Consequently, uh, she said, well, we can go for one year. I figured, you know, one year, one book, how hard can this be? <laughs> There's only one book. Well, when I got to the seminary in Dallas, it turned out there were 66 books. That's right. And after one year, I'd only Surprise. Finished, yeah, I was only <laughs> up through Deuteronomy. So five books in, I was like, can I get another year? And so uh, year by year, I had to get permission. It was a four-year program, so uh, I have a four-year degree. Along the way, I had from, a great from, – From DTF, from, from Dallas, Dallas Theological, Theological Seminary, Seminary yeah. which is a non-denominational school. It was actually started by five men. Two of them were Presbyterians. There was a Methodist and Episcopalian yeah. who were disappointed at the uh, lack of biblical – education that the, that the seminaries were, were producing at the time. Yeah. So their goal was then to produce uh, men who were able to teach and preach in the scriptures and then send them back into the denominations. Mm. didn't happen the way they had worked it out because when they went back to the denominations, uh, they wouldn't ordain those they men. They wouldn't ordain them, yeah. They still, the Presbyterians they, still won't ordain the DTS grads, unfortunately. It's hard. They're rare to find. Yeah, it's very uh, rare. They... Uh, but the result is the community church movement, the non-denominational yeah. movement, a lot of what we see in church growth mm-hmm. came out of that world. Yeah. And so I was involved early on in, in those aspects. I, I actually got to go to Fellowship Bible Church in Dallas, which was the first non-traditional uh, church service. It was two and a half hours long. Oh, my goodness. There was an hour message. There was a bunch of singing. There was a, there was a coffee break in the middle of the service. <laughs> then you came back and shared prayer requests and talked to each other. It was That's, kind of kind of mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, but along the way, I had a Greek professor who uh, uh, one of the one of my classmates asked, you know, what uh, what does it mean to be called to the ministry? Because mm-hmm. I never had a Apostle Paul experience on the road to Damascus, which said, "Ed, you shall go into ministry." Yeah. Uh, but he he made it very clear. He said, "Look, man, if you can be comfortable doing anything else, then you ought to go do that." Yeah. Uh, and at the point in time when I started to to work with kids and do ministry. I was young. I was new in my faith, and I and I thought I I would never be comfortable doing anything else. Wow, yeah. So I came I came to that realization, uh, and and my last year at seminary, I was involved in starting a ministry called Walk Through the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started it actually in uh, Portland, Oregon. So I moved Miss Gwen and our first child all the way up to Portland. We started a seminar organization. So I got to travel and see the world. Uh, we moved that organization in two years. We started in 76 and moved in 78 to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. We were going to start a graduate school, and yeah. uh, we had all the pieces in place, but God closed those doors. And I really loved Atlanta and felt like I would I would be there because in that ministry, I was in and out of churches all the time, and I thought I would end up being a director of Christian education. Yeah, uh, It was kind of funny because when it came time to leave Walk Through the Bible, all those offers dried up. Yeah. So I ended up uh, with three businessmen in Lake Wales, which is not the end of the world, but you can see it from there. Uh, They had gone to Israel with me on one of my first Israel trips, and they said, uh, we'd like you to move to Central Florida. And so I moved to Central Florida to Lake Wales in 1980, and in 81 got involved here at this church Mm -hmm. and started a young couples class because there weren't many young couples at the time. Yeah. And the thing just kind of took off, and uh, so I've been here in Lakeland and Polk County ever since. Yeah, and you and 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 at what point did you begin? Um, you, you started walk through the Bible, moved to Central Florida after that period of time. Um, at what point did did the the teaching and preaching the Bible become a regular part of your your life? 
Right away. I was so After excited seminary. about about getting the opportunity to teach and preach. Yeah. And I'm more of a teacher than a preacher, but I can do both, I think. Yeah. And uh, and God seemed to honor that. And along the way, my wife got on board, came around spiritually and said, I think you're really good when you teach or preach. Yeah. So we ended up, uh, you know, I've been I've been teaching Bible studies and, and preaching really since uh, I since I before I got out of seminary. Yeah. And, and so we've talked about this on the podcast for people that have listened listened to us before, uh, but I, I wonder if you would just kind of give your take on how the preaching ministry is different than the teaching ministry and and the different aspects, the, the, the things that are highlights to you about those sides, because we've talked about it that, and I think people that observe preachers and teachers, they recognize there's a difference, but I don't know that everyone that, that's not in, in that field can articulate what that difference is. I wonder if you might just take how do you see those two similarly and then differently? I think the similar thing is that you uh, really the goal in both is to help people understand what the Bible says and how it applies to their life. Yeah. Uh, actually, I think there's a little more pre- uh, pressure on the preaching part. Yeah. Because you have to present a, a package, it's only you speaking, there's not there's room no for much give and take, yeah. take, and that's where I really gravitate. I love to interact with people that are in in the audience, and I love to interact with people who don't necessarily agree with what I'm sharing. Yeah. So, uh, and, and it's for me, it's just um, teaching generally involves uh, giving me a little more time. Yeah. A, a normal sermon can be 20 minutes, can be 40 minutes, or anywhere in between. Uh, whereas a normal uh, Teaching time for me is you know forty to fifty in there, and and I'm just more relaxed, yeah. and I can go back and forth, and I can fill out my notes that I didn't get to fill out yeah. say this past Sunday. Well, and, and I think you know one of the things we talked about too is that in a in a in a teaching setting where you're with a, a, the same group of people for several weeks in a row, the pressure to present a a closed package like you just said is not there because if you get into a discussion with people in in the in the classroom or in a, in a small group setting and and you can follow those rabbit trails you can yes. follow those conversations and then if you don't get to all the material that day well we'll just pick it up next week Correct. you know and uh, so, you know i i teach the class now that you started here called agape uh and and this happened this past week i had you know so many notes we're going through the gospel of matthew right now and and the class had questions that they wanted to dig into about a specific passage of scripture and so i was able to just go with that yes you know and that's a that that's that engagement is so much there's so much yeah. fulfillment there right and a freedom yeah. that you may not have in the pulpit where you you got yeah. a deadline to meet and you you know in a sense you have to land the airplane there's yeah. an ETA and you've got to get there yeah. Yeah. so the rest of the service can go on well when you look at the specifically the preaching aspect of ministry are there things about the preaching ministry that you look at and go man that that is really exciting that is something that is really uh, unique and different and that you enjoy because you've preached here many, many times, uh, both in our modern worship service and in our classic service. Are there things about the preaching side that you're like, that is a unique thing that I really enjoy that's different than the teaching ministry? Uh, one of the things I really enjoy is having new people in the crowd. Yeah. Uh, and one of the reasons I like to preach is not because I need to be up front, but because I like to identify, particularly men, because we have a ministry that, I, for my purposes, has been mostly male-centered, although Gwen is certainly by my side and does a terrific job with women. But men will surface when I preach that aren't 
willing to come to a Sunday school hour yeah. or a weekly Bible study. And so I can connect with them, figure out a way to get with them and involve them at some point in, in small groups. My experience is, in spite of all the teaching and preaching, that most life change uh, generally happens in a small group or one-on-one setting for, yeah. for the average person. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 this week, you uh, were in our classic service. We were both circling around the topic of sanctification. Um, you have uh, preached here many times, as I mentioned before. Um, but this week, I, I had I watched your message online, which means I watched the pre-recorded message. Yes. How do you like that? <laughs> That's really hard, especially because I love uh, to have feedback, even if it's silent feedback. I love to have people either nodding, nodding or shaking their, their heads, head in disbelief. Yeah. And so to uh, to be in a pre-recorded setting is is just not in in my normal world. Yeah. I didn't mind it, and I you know we I think we did it, but. Uh, I really enjoyed having people in, in yeah. the pews on Sunday. Did you do you feel do you uh, do you feel did you feel a difference between the recording version of the message and the and the Sunday morning version? Did did, did, did anything change in 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 approach between those two? Because I, I didn't get yeah. to I didn't get to hear the live version, um, but I, I'm curious how how you experienced that that movement. That's a great question. Uh, two things that were unique. One is after the. Uh, noon or the uh, 10 30 service on sunday tom our organist came to me and said well the third time was the charm <laughs> <laughs> don't worry he says that same thing and to he, me and when he, i have to well, that and too. the reason he said is people were there to laugh at your jokes <laughs> yeah. which was really nice yeah yeah the interaction i think that's one thing with 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 teaching there's a lot of interaction right i mean uh, most of the time we build in interaction but even with preaching i think there's there is a a uh, an interaction that is really important and um it's it's different when you're you're not a guest preacher like 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 you're going to a church that you don't know you right. know this church people know you you know this community the people know you so there are relationships with the folks most of the folks in the pews and that's that's a unique thing because i know you've you've preached in in pulpits that you were unfamiliar with. Yeah, I've I've spoken in probably forty five states in all kinds of churches, and over time in my youth, you learn what not to do. Yeah, uh, and the big thing you can feel, if, even if it's nonverbal communication, you can sense that they're with you. Yeah, and that really is exciting because if if the Holy Spirit is with you on one side of the the, the sermon and the, and the group is with you on the other side of the sermon, uh, that's where I really uh, come alive. And and do you find like when you're in a, a setting like here at FPC? Lakeland that you've been in for 40 years that it's easier to find that flow than than a than a place you know out in in Idaho or something where you don't that that culture it's not a culture that you have been in day in and day out I mean what what how does that affect your the preparation and then and the delivery absolutely in 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 my home church here I don't feel like I have to uh, win them over yeah. They're, they're already there. Yeah. They're expecting to hear something from me that I've heard from the Lord. And so, uh, you know, when I'm in a new pulpit in a new church setting, uh, I always have to go in and, and try to figure out where they are and where we can connect. And then I also have to end up uh, early because I want to be invited back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I find it um, – it's exciting to go to uh, – pulpits in, in different places but it, there is also that there's a relational challenge yes. that is that is present because here people have seen your kids grow up people have have you know witnessed you growing you know your family and things so they know you there's a trust level built up there already whereas you go to a, a place where you're 
literally just a guest preacher there's not that same level of of trust built in already and you have to you have to kind absolutely of that. I, I think there was a a segment on the tonight show a hundred years ago when johnny carson was still on where they were talking about comedians yeah and uh, a comedian who is there for the first time is scared to death scared to death yeah. he won't get to come to the couch and actually visit with johnny whereas a committee a comedian that's been there many times people expect them to do well and yeah. that's how it is in a familiar place like our church yeah yeah they're they're also forgiving and absolutely <laughs> yes. so if you don't don't do well they're they're hopefully they're willing to go with you a little bit and and they feel the freedom to to text you or email you or call you afterwards for things which i i i, I enjoy those interactions the after church interactions there was you know. a, a pastor here long before your time who shall remain nameless but his wife would sit <laughs> in the front row and if he was doing well and, and and he was connecting with the audience she would slowly be nodding her head yes and if he was not getting it done she was slowly nodding her head no oh man <laughs> I'm so glad my oh, wife never did that. My wife doesn't do that. She does sit in the front row, but she does not thank God she doesn't. She's much more gracious to me than that. Uh, this week we were in the in the Ordo Salutis series, the Order of Salvation series, uh, tackling um, a very important topic, the topic of sanctification. And so you're, you were looking at it from the Isaiah 6 passage and then the 1 Peter 3 passage. And I wonder as you're looking at – you're coming into this series this – series midstream with all the other kind of topics that we you know we hang on the order of salvation were there things that you were really uh just very uh, you know concerted you want to make a concerted effort if they get nothing else this is what they're going to get after today were there was there a, a a thing that you were really like if they get nothing else this is what i want the congregation to get I think two things. One is uh, I wanted them to make sure that sanctification begins with an encounter with God. Yeah. And that's the Isaiah passage Mm -hmm. backwards and forwards. And then secondly, if that happens, and you did such a great job of unpacking the Romans passage, as a result of that, how shall we then live? How shall they win? Yeah. uh, Yeah. There are many ways to take that, but – Actually, I thought if you if you listen to your sermon and my sermon together, you'd have the whole package. Well, see, and that's the hope. I mean, that's our hope. One of the I mean, one of the unique things about FPC as it as it is now and has been for the last several the last few years is that we're we're coming around the 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 same topics, oftentimes the same scriptures, and the hope is that a person goes to classic on Sunday, they'll go and listen to the Vine sermon on Monday. Uh, if they go to Vine on Sunday, they'll listen to the classic sermon on Monday so that there's a, a deepening of their understanding so that there's the application is is deeper and fuller there too. Um, you know, you, you, you as you mentioned at the beginning of the episode today, you started off with a very personal uh, story from your time in Eastern Pennsylvania. I loved how you weaved in the Sunday best kind Sunday of mindset. Clothes, buddy. <laughs> I don't know about people that were listening, and, and I I could actually picture because I'm I'm from rural Alabama, and we had those too. And really? I I remember being a, a a four and five year old little boy, and my Sunday best was a polyester powder blue uh, suit <laughs> with uh, with shorts and knee high socks and a little polyester blue baby blue bow tie i'm surprised they weren't crimson i'm just shocked i'm telling you man i'm telling you well yeah i mean but it but it was that that those were your that was your sunday clothes and everybody lived that way i mean we you know everybody in my town pretty much lived hand to mouth and there weren't 
closets full of clothing clothing like we have today you had your set apart special sunday clothes for that purpose and then when you wore them a while and they got worn in you could then trans transfer them over into the school clothes the everyday clothes business but i love that image that those were the things that you set apart for that special use that holy use of 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 attending to the corporate worship of God and and that image then weaving that into the Isaiah 6 passage when when you're you really got into a lot of detail with the Isaiah 6 passage and there is a lot to unpack there yes uh, what are the things I mean you talked about the the holy 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 you talked I loved how you you uh, explained the unclean lips the potty mouth thing. Well, <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> seems like that's what being said. it seems like that yeah for sure and 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 I, you know I wonder as you're looking through that those first few verses in the call of Isaiah I don't think anybody that's been called to ministry doesn't look at that called Isaiah and and think of their own ministry call but were there things to you that as you're looking at those images that you're just like man yes that that's how it is that's what i feel that's what i felt and i'm i'm hoping that other people will come along are there are, what are the images in that passage that really just scream at you uh woo you uh, comfort you challenge you that that uh, you wanted to get across to others i think one thing is that uh, everybody is called to ministry mm-hmm. and that's what peter picks up you know, we are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. Mm-hmm. We are bridge builders to the world that doesn't know Christ yet. Yeah. And so that's why God doesn't just zap us. He didn't zap Isaiah and take him out of the picture. He yeah. left him behind with a job to do. And yeah. so we come to sanctification with a with a job to do. And, yeah. I, and I thought it blended so well with your illustration out of the Romans passage of the spaghetti sauce and yeah. your bride cleaning the kitchen. Yeah. Shall we shall we dirty up the kitchen so that there's greater grace? And yeah. you handled it so incredibly well. The first time I ever heard that taught right after I came to faith. A guy by the name of John Braun. I had a series of tapes that I listened to on reel to reel. That's how old <laughs> I am. Uh, but when he when he got to that phrase that used Meganoico, Meganoico, yeah. which says may it never be. Yeah. Uh, he 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 translated it this way: No, 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 don't yeah. be stupid. Yeah. And I had so, a seminary <laughs> professor. I had a seminary professor that translated that in a way that I can't speak on <laughs> on, on air or in a in a <laughs> in a sermon because uh, he said, "Look, as salty as you might think that that word is, it's even saltier, even saltier. than that." Because he was that's how that's how. Uh, upset Paul was at that logic yes. there but but you know the thing that challenges me with that is 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 how much of and I and I'll I'll call out the western church because how much of the western church won't say those words but will live in that logic Absolutely. that 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 oh I'm you know it's the it's that that I'm saved by grace so I can do whatever I want because God's grace is is you know we we've used the the poetic terms God's grace is as deep as the ocean yes. you know as wide as the valleys and that's true but it's that is not the license to sin, as Paul yes. talks about. But how we're often che- we've taken it into cheap grace. Yes, and yeah. and and there's and the and the grace isn't cheap. The no. grace is free. <laughs> yes, and when people ask me, isn't it too easy to just believe in Jesus? And I I come back this way. I said, well, it, it really isn't easy for God the Father, yeah, because He had to give up His Son, yeah, and it isn't easy for God the Son because he had to give up his life. And it isn't easy for you and me because we have to give up our pride. And if we really understand what Christ has done for us, we want to live a life of sanctification, a life of devotedness, a life of holiness, 
that over time we are progressively manifesting Christ. And hopefully, and I use the illustration in the sermon, have you been a Christian for 30 years or have you been a Christian uh, for one year and 30 times? I, I, lo- I, I really loved I, – I mean, that was one of the big things I wrote down because there that – to me, I think that is such a big distinction because people think longevity from their conversion automatically equals a, a more sanctified life. And maybe it should, but you know, you see some people that just live in that cycle over and over and over again. And sometimes it's like you said, a one year cycle 30 times, or it's a five year cycle six times, or, you know, it, it and, and, and so, so calling people to something deeper um, is, is really so important for us as we're you know circling this concept of sanctification you know and that's why i think going back to the church mission statement is so terribly important which is to make and mature yeah, disciples and. for jesus christ and yeah. both are involved if you're not making disciples you're missing out on your calling and if you're not maturing as a disciple and helping people mature as a disciple you're missing out on your calling and god's saying you know who sh- whom shall i send god wants to send you god yeah. wants to send me god sends us out into the world that doesn't know him yeah and i think you know one of the things that i, I really appreciated about what you did with with your messages you know there's so many different ways you can talk about sanctification the yes. bible uses so many different images and for me the one of the challenges was kind of narrowing what image are we going to use right because <laughs> Because you can't, I, you know, I had in my notes, I mean, back here, you see like there, I, I went through probably four or five of the different images that the Bible uses for sanctification. And I didn't even touch on the one that you, you went to with, which was the, the mission aspect of sanctification, the purpose aspect of sanctification. We are made holy and set apart for a purpose, yes. um, which is so incredibly like profound because it's not just for my own warm and fuzzies and aren't I so holy it's we make and mature disciples so the mature disciples go back and make more disciples so they could be it's this big cycle Um, you know of the images that are used in the Bible for sanctification with that with the purpose idea I use the image of the walking in in oh and I love the illustration with the two by four I mean that's that's just perfect yeah well I I had heard that story from a from a college football coach who shall remain nameless in the presence (laughs) of a Florida Gator Um, but uh, but but I thought Thought, um, and po- po- possibly because I couldn't verify that it was actually this coach, so I just said a college football yes. coach. Um, but I thought, man, you know, isn't that just the way we look at at, at our own faith and salvation? I can't do it. You know, I, I can't do it. So I'm not going to even try. Or there's too many distractions, or there's too many um, burdens, and there's too many things that get in the way. And and yet, because of the encounter with God that you talk about with Isaiah, because God you know takes this initiative through the seraphim to touch the the mouth of the unclean lips of Isaiah we are without failure god just calls us to to walk with him yes not to walk on our own not to walk you know um in our own power but to walk with him and 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 what a what a what a powerful image uh, in the in in other ways sanctification is so difficult Actually, impossible. <laughs> Impo- and you said it, impossible. Were there were there things that I, I felt like as I was listening to that, I'm thinking, oh, I would love to hear like that fleshed out. Were there things like that where you 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 put it in as a as a line in the sermon, but it could be built out into an entire lesson or an entire series? Were there other things that you just oh, we, sure. we, we call it the cutting room floor? Were there things that just went on the cutting room floor this week? What, what were those yes. things for you this week? Well, I think I I, I would have gone to the Romans passage. 
Uh, and then I also was going to spend some time in the Corinthian passage <laughs> where Paul calls them sanctified saints in 1 Corinthians 1, I think it's verse 2. Mm-hmm. And then in, in chapter 6, uh, he, he lists the sins that they had been involved in. Every kind of immorality, <laughs> gets, uh, deceit, gets lies, cheating, <laughs> gets sexual sin. Yeah, right. And then he says in the very next verse, and such were some of you. So Paul yeah. assumes that these Corinthians, who were a bunch of <clears throat> You know, really rank people. It was a tough town. Yeah, uh, that they would uh, over time and have over time been progressively sanctified. Yeah, and that's the battle. But always, you know, the battle is how much of Jesus is in control of me. And the last time uh, we talked about something like this, you had done uh, you'd done the Ephesian passage with walk. Yeah, but then uh, you said, "Don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit." Yeah, and I loved your illustration. That'd be great to share. Uh, with with that particular passage, yeah, that was that was so oh, fun. Shoot, now I can't remember. Well, you said think spot. about think about men who are drunk sitting around in a bar, yeah, and and what you hear when they start singing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm remembering. Now I'm that's remembering. what I remembered from that. Yeah. Story. Sorry, Zach. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you remembered that. That's yeah. Well, I mean, you think about uh, think about all the the the. I I I specifically remember times where I have been not necessarily at bars, but places where there have been you know restaurants where yes. there have been bars, and I believe the illustration was a a, a group of 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 female drunk people <laughs> singing a Spice Girls song. I think that's what I. <laughs> I think that's what I remember because uh, I believe I had some people come up to me afterwards and said I don't have to be drunk to sing that song. Yeah. Uh, uh, but you know, it, it it's interesting too because it, when Paul's writing in the Ephesians passage, which I mentioned briefly in the sermon this week, you know, he uses the the, the he uses a, a different images of sanctification in that one book. You know, mm-hmm. he talks about the sanctification in the family. He talks about sanctification um, in in the in the praise of the people. But then he t- one of the things I, I really I had begun to to unpack a little bit in my notes. But then I was like, this is gonna it would take too long. Was the battle uh, the warfare the, the warfare side of the sanctification yes. process? Because as you said, it's impossible um, with. On our own power, we're not going to be sanctified, and and so the 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 battle armor imagery that Paul uses to talk about the sanctif- the, the the way we 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 work through sanctification to me is is so um, so vivid. Yes, and, and and it is vivid, and it is a battle, but he equips us exactly. And that's the that's the tension that we hold in yeah. in our limited. Uh, brokenness that we live in it's just a matter of you know is christ in control in these areas of my life and and the other aspect of it that i that i didn't have time to really go into in depth is that as you do manifest sanctification and holiness and progressively know christ there's a joy that comes yeah and it comes for me especially because the focus of what we've done is to spend a lot of time with people that don't know christ yet unchurched people are my people yeah and consequently uh, you know, if you go to the Luke 15 uh, parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost or the prodigal son, it's joy that happens when you hang out with the lost people That's because right. you realize the, the the predicament they're in and how great we have it. And, yeah. and the church that doesn't get involved with lost people is the church that doesn't have joy. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what, you know, that's where that, that whole idea that sanctification is 
to a purpose. Yes. And and you use that the idea of the the priesthood of all believers, and then talking about how that that word that pontif- pontifex is that bridge builder. That that's what we are called to be and do. And uh, I just I loved how that that all came together so nicely, um, because that is the purpose, right? That's our purpose to not just be disciples of Jesus Christ so that we get the warm fuzzies and we yes. get we get the as my father-in-law would say the fire insurance <laughs> um, it's so that we bring other people into this the joy-filled relationship of Jesus Christ and, yes. and what, a, what what a what a great what a great way to to tie that up Ed you know I, I really appreciate it and for those that had did not hear Ed's sermon uh, or did not hear my sermon if you heard Ed's and you didn't hear mine you didn't hear mine or you heard mine didn't hear Ed's I encourage everybody to go to our website, fpclakeland.org. Go to the uh, worship page and the sermon archive tabs. You can watch the complete service or skip to the sermon and watch that as well um, or listen to that on your phones. Um, And if you've missed any one of the episodes of Armchair Preaching, we do encourage you to check out um, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Search for Armchair Preaching. Hit the subscribe button. Like it. Share it with your friends. It does give you a very well-rounded view of the entire um, topic that we we discuss each and every week. And so I hope it deepens your faith. Uh, Ed, what a pleasure to sit down and talk with you. I could talk with you for another hour. I don't know that people would listen as much for the whole hour. Maybe they would. Maybe they would. You've got great stories and and a wealth of experience. And we at FPC, I I can say this with full confidence, we appreciate your ministry to the community and to our church and to the other churches in the community. Um, And we're glad that we get to be part of that with you. So thank you so much for stopping by and talking. Thanks for having me. And we'll see everybody again next time.